Welcome to the Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The heart behind Kindled is to help moms use their gifts for God's glory and their good. We'll chat with real women who are learning how to do this very thing as they navigate motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This heart-to-heart is always had over a cup of coffee and usually paired with a business pep talk. We hope you'll find practical advice and the encouragement you need to work well and live more. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Kindled. Today is really exciting because my guest today actually has a book launching today, April 30th, and the book is called For the Love of Discipline, When the Gospel Meets Tantrums and Timeouts. The author and my guest today is Sarah Wallace. Sarah is a wife, author, and stay-at-home working mom. She and her family live in Idaho, where they minister in their church plant and homeschool their five little boys. And I'm going to let Sarah just introduce herself. Here you go. I'm a stay-at-home mom currently um, living in Idaho. I have five kids, and they are all boys. So that right off the bat has just added so much spice and adventure to my life. Um, My husband and I had five boys in seven years, so they're all still very young. My oldest is eight, um, and they keep us on our toes. So uh, we started homeschooling just about a year and a half ago. So that is a new adventure for us as well. I stay home with the kids. I teach them. And in between all of that, I write. And it is as much a hobby as anything else. It's cathartic for me. I love to write about my daily experiences with motherhood and specifically how the gospel gives encouragement and um, practical application to the daily ins and outs and struggles of motherhood. Um, And so also my husband and I are involved in a church plant. So we're really enjoying um, hosting Bible studies out of our home and helping encourage and grow our little church body up here in Idaho. Uh, So between ministry and kids and homeschooling, um, I'm on my toes all day long. Yes, I am sure you are. (laughs) That sounds like a, a full life. Um, how did you get started writing? And and this isn't your first book, the one that you have coming out today, right? There's another one that you have? Yes. So uh, in 2014, I wrote The Gospel-Centered Mom, which works as either a personal devotion book or you can do it as a group study with your friends. Um, and then I just kind of bounced off of that and just last year started working on how the gospel applies not just to motherhood in general, but to discipline specifically, because that was the area that I was drowning in. And so I wanted to explore that for myself and see how I could share some of what I was finding and the encouragement with other moms. So I started writing For the Love of Discipline, When the Gospel Meets Tantrums and Timeouts, and it's being published through PNR Publishers and will be released on April 30th. So talk to me about the discipline book. Like you said, you were drowning and... I mean, obviously you've got five, five kids. So discipline is just a very, you know, consistent part of any parent's life. But when you're talking about five little lives, I mean, there's just, it's like multiplication factor there of how Mm -hmm. often that's a part of your day. I mean, it probably feels Mm -hmm. constant because I mean, to me, it almost feels constant and I only have two at this point. So, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah, I mean, talk to me about how that kind of where that came from and like what season were you in where that started to really come to the forefront for you in your mind? Well, my husband and I knew that we wanted to discipline 
discipline our kids. We see it in scripture. Um, we really wanted to uh, parent according to scriptural principles. Um, and I think we were both a little surprised at how quickly that little sin nature popped out when we had our first baby, how young he was when he started testing the boundaries and um, just really showing us that his heart needed shepherd, shepherding. And what I saw in myself as a natural response immediately to discipline was much more of um, I want my kids to look a certain way, be a certain way, act a certain way. Uh, I don't want them to embarrass me in public or embarrass me at church in front of my friends. And I saw that natural tendency in my heart. And I thought, you know, that could motivate me to discipline my kids, but that is not going to be in their best interest. And that's not truly addressing their heart. That's much more about addressing my pride or my convenience. You know, I want to have good kids so that life is easy for me and I can just kind of survive this stage of parenting and having so many kids so close together. Um, so I really wanted to take a step back and say, what is discipline really about? And that's where God began to show me through his word um, and specifically through the gospel that discipline is so much more about just surviving parenthood and just getting through it with our kids without them burning the house down. And it truly is about pointing them to the Savior and laying that foundation that as they grow and we talk to them about the gospel and our our sin and our need for a Savior and the grace that we find in Jesus Christ, that discipline is the path to that for them. And so I was writing down the encouraging things that I was finding and um, starting to put them into practice in practical ways. What does that look like on a daily basis? And how do you deal with this type of discipline situation versus that type? And what about different personality types within your household? How does that come into play? And so that was really the heart of the book was helping parents see um, what is the true purpose behind discipline. And that's our springboard for, well, now here's some practical tips and here's what you can actually do. And here's what you can actually say all with that underlying foundation of this is for the glory of the gospel. And this is truly about reaching our kids' hearts with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So that's the heart behind the book. And I really just come alongside parents with my own personal experiences and failures and everything God has been teaching me and um, try to give practical encouragement and tips and really relieve the burden um, because discipline can be so burdensome for the parents and for the children and um, to show that discipline is actually a huge blessing that we can share with our children instead mm -hmm. of being a burden. It's funny because it, like, I know that everything you're saying is true, but it, it does great sort of against, you know, of course, what culture tells us and then, and then partially too against like what our own sin nature tells us that, you know, mm -hmm. discipline is a bad thing. And uh, if you're mm -hmm. having to discipline your children, that's, you know, you're almost like you're doing a bad job because they're so, I mean, I'm, I'm still a young mom, so I'm maybe learning that, you know, I'm in the middle of learning that, you know, it is not, um, something that means I'm doing a bad job or that I have bad kids, but it's like, this is actually God's plan for parents and plan for the family. Mm -hmm. And like you're talking about, um, and I feel like it, it, it is still something that is really ingrained though in culture as, and even more so today than maybe even 20 years ago, um, mm -hmm. as just kind of like a negative, like, don't do that. Don't talk about it. You know, 
they're never your children are never wrong like they're little snowflakes and everything they do is okay and fine mm-hmm. and let them explore everything <laughs> and i don't know so i think that that's a really challenging topic um and mm-hmm. one thing that i read in your book as i was looking through it uh that really i think challenged the way that i have thought about discipline is you say that discipline isn't something we do to our kids it's something we do for them um mm-hmm. Which is such a big difference. Can you kind of talk about that and, you know, how that kind of flies in the face of maybe what our um, predisposition is to think about discipline? Yeah, I think one of the reasons that discipline is kind of that negative buzzword is because we, even as Christian parents, kind of take on this us against them mentality. And it's just so emotionally charged. You know, when our kids need discipline, they're frustrated, we're frustrated, we don't know what to do, and we feel at odds with our children because we're trying to shepherd them one way and they're resisting and pulling the other because of their sin nature, and it's this kind of butting heads type of situation, and that can create even more frustration and anger. And so for me, it was so important to take that step back and say, Uh, it seems like I'm fighting against my child right now, but really I am fighting along with them, right alongside my son. Um, The enemy is not him. The enemy is Satan and the sin and temptation that he is trying to um, trip up my son with. And I'm going to come alongside my son and show him there is a savior. There's a gospel that is here for you to help you and to save you from your sin. And I'm going to discipline you to draw your attention to our eternal hope. And so if we see discipline that way, it does take off so much of the frustration that we feel that our children are sinning against us. They are offending us. And it becomes all about um, our hurt pride and we don't feel respected. But when we step back and say, no, their sin is against God, and we have a common enemy, it's Satan, it's sin, and we have a common hope and a common Savior in Jesus Christ. And that takes out some of the anger factor for us as parents and helps us come alongside them instead of doing something to them. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I um, I recently, on the podcast a couple episodes ago, shared my work testimony, sort of my, my history and, and experience with work and works. Um, and in that episode, I mentioned how actually it was a moment of discipline for me as a child with my mom, uh, disciplining me for fighting with my brother, that is when I actually remember truly accepting the truth of the gospel in my heart. And Mm. and interestingly enough, I I didn't even really ever think about that until I was kind of prepping for the episode and and writing and thinking about it and was like, wow, I mean, that is, you know, not only uh, such a beautiful picture of like that role that the parent has to play in that child's life, like you were just talking about, that it's to draw them in to the truth and to, it's an opportunity to show them the truth. It's not an inconvenience or a frustration, even though we are inconvenienced mm-hmm. and are frustrated often mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. sin, of course. But just the fact that, you know, for me in my own life, I know that that moment was one that's really precious to me. And I remember it. I mean, even as like an eight or nine year old, remember it really poignantly as a moment of clarity because I was Mm. faced with my sin and my inability to do the right thing, no matter how hard I tried. And she preached the gospel to me. And Mm -hmm. I remember crying and crying and just being like, he didn't have to do it for me. He didn't have to do it. And, 
and and mm. understanding for the first time. So, I mean, mm. I, I know that to be true in my own life, but, um, but how do you, what are some of your practical tips kind of moving into that? Like, how do we as parents preach that to ourselves? Because I think that's probably the hardest part is truly keeping that mindset in the moment mm-hmm. and in the heat of, you know, emotions and anger and all of those things. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that it is so natural to, for our first reaction to be frustration and anger. Um, the most practical tip for me, just starting from that initial reaction is to take a mommy time out. And if I sense myself, if I sense that frustration rising in my own heart to just take a minute, um, if you're in the middle of a discipline situation to, you know, remove your child from you, have them go sit in a quiet place, be in their room for a minute and you yourself take a mommy time out. Um, I do that sometimes just to take a moment to pray, think. Um, and I find that if I discipline immediately in the heat of the moment, often, um, it will be something different than I would have done had I taken that mommy time out, taken a minute to assess the situation, to breathe, to pray, um, to seek out more information, you know, talk to my child about what happened. And so for me, that's an immediately practical tip um, to separate myself and separate the child from the immediate frustration and the cause of the conflict. And um, sometimes the discipline strategy will be the same. That's not to say that um, then you don't discipline, but uh, it gives you a minute to collect wisdom and to reflect on what's the goal for the discipline right now and how can I convey that goal to my child that I want him to see his sin, understand his sin, and understand how that points him to a savior and not just the quick fix of let's just get out of this situation as fast as we can and get back to life, you know? Right. Um, so that's one, one example of, uh, something that helps me personally. Hey, it's me just interrupting this interview that I know you're loving, but you know, I wouldn't do it unless it was really worth your time. So hear me out on this. Did you hear that I'm launching a course? It's called the Busy Moms Business Quick Start Course. And if you're a female entrepreneur with an early stage or a new business, this is for you. It's what to do and how to do it for busy moms with full hands and very little free time. We're talking email marketing. We're talking an automated marketing machine that grows your list and your business. We're talking about service offerings that sell themselves, clarifying your marketing message to attract your tribe, creating a brand that resonates so that you can serve rather than sell, proposals that communicate value over cost. And basically we're talking, you're going to learn how to think like an entrepreneur and you're going to do all that while you raise your kids with little free time because it's being written by a mom who gets it and I'm not going to load you down with a bunch of busy work. So let me just explain real quick how this works. I have opened up registration for the course until May 11th or through May 11th. That's the final day you can register at this pre-sale price of $150. After that, I'm going to close the doors. It's not going to be available for purchase until I reopen them and the course is its full price. So what are we talking for full price? Well, around $1,000. I'll tell you that. I don't know exactly, but it's going to be around that. So you can wait and buy it when it's 1000 bucks, and that's perfectly fine with me. Or you can take advantage of my serious undervaluation of what this course has become. Now you're probably wondering, why are you even talking about it? If it's really worth $1,000, why are you trying to sell it now? Why don't you just wait? 
you're right. You're totally right. If I was a shrewd businesswoman who only cared about money, I would shut my mouth and not be trying to tell anybody that this exists and that I gave you my word that it would be 150 through May 11th. But guess what? That isn't the only reason I'm here. I actually genuinely care about you guys, this group of women who listen to this podcast, moms who work, moms who don't work, moms who wish they had a business. I really care about you and I want to do whatever I can to support you and help you and encourage you. And if that means you're going to snag it at a cheaper price and I make less money, great. I don't care. I would be doing this for free (laughs) anyways. So I'm just really excited that God has given me a platform to share what I've learned and make sense of all of the things that I have gone through as an entrepreneur. So truly, this is my passion and I really hope that you join us, but don't worry if it's not for you, you can just keep listening to the show. I won't be mad. You ever feel like there is anything lost by that slowing down and stepping back? Because I feel like as a parent, I am always, um, you know, I, it's almost like I think it's not effective if it's not immediate, you know, it has to be this immediate result or immediate response. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that's true, but what would you say to the mom or to me? Who's like, man, I just, but I feel in my, that gut reaction to like the, you need to know the severity of your, of your sin or what you did or, and if I wait, you don't have, you know, it seems like it's not as big a deal or it seems like you're getting off the hook or it seems like, what would you say to that? I think that's an excellent point. And for me, I've noticed it comes down to age. So for example, the younger they are, the more immediate it needs to be because you're right. Their attention spans are so short and they won't be able to connect a consequence to an action if there's much time in between. Whereas my older kids, my seven-year-old, my eight-year-old, they can take some time to think about their actions while I'm thinking of the consequence and it still has an effect. So um, what I would say to that is you can still take those mommy timeouts to strategize and plan when the situation is not currently happening. So you come up with your game plan ahead of time. So it's still strategic and purposeful and thought out ahead of time. But that way, as those discipline moments come up, you can immediately go to your game plan and react immediately, react right away. But you're falling back on something you thought through in a moment of calm and clarity, and you're still not responding out of anger. Um, So I would say it's absolutely appropriate, and it's worked well for my kids at different times, to respond immediately. But it's the most effective if it's something I've thought through ahead of time. And also, depending on their age, I mean, they're they can understand when they're pretty young, starting at about two years old, even talking through that strategy with them. So it's no surprise to them when they do action A and they immediately receive consequence B. Um, They're not surprised. You've talked it through with them. You've told them exactly what consequences will happen for what types of things. And and so you're all on the same page. And that way they know mommy's not just lashing out in anger. Mommy told me this is what would happen. Mommy's following through with her word. There's that consistency there. There's that security. And that protects us from reacting in anger, but also allows us to react immediately. So, so that's kind of the balance I've struck. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So do you, um, you know, do, do your kids, have you kind of worked out with your your strategy ahead of time for like certain things that might commonly happen. Like, let's say somebody takes a toy from someone else and runs away with it and it's like teasing them. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Is there like, is there a set sort of like expectation where you've said, you know, when you do this, this is what the consequence will be. Or is that more for, for you in, in your own mind? Um, it's both. I think that has worked out uh, better for me when they're very young to talk about very specific, hard and fast consequences. Um, so as they get older and you're able to talk things through with them more and talk more about the heart, then we don't fall back on hard and fast. Every single time you do this, this is what's going to happen. No, no questions asked. Right. Um, instead, we, we step back, we really evaluate the heart, the situation. Um, so there's definitely a balance there. I know, you know, for some parents, if they want consistency so much that they lose sight of, you know, the heart, that can be one extreme also. So we have to give ourselves some flexibility there to let the Holy Spirit work and let us reveal things, let the Holy Spirit reveal things to our hearts about our kids, um, and take some time for that. So, um, we don't have like a list of, okay, if you lie, this happens. If you, you know, um, hit your brother, this happens. We do take it on a, a case by case basis in the sense that we'll take all factors into consideration as much as is possible and truly address the heart. So we talk to our kids about the overall principles, like for example, kindness, you be kind to your brother. So then if they get in a fight and one hits the other, you know, we might give a consequence, but then take that step back and say, how was that not kind to your brother? What's something you could do right now that would be kind? And that's all wrapped up into discipline. Discipline is not just the punishment and the how many minutes on the clock you get for time out. Discipline is the positive also. Now move forward and do something kind to your brother. It's all wrapped up in it together. So we have to give ourselves time to um, let those opportunities take place. Yeah, that's awesome. Very helpful. Um, so when you are in that situation, what might it look like for you to, to pause, like with a, especially with a young kid. And I'm obviously asking for selfish reasons. Cause I'm trying to, you know, kind of <laughs> see, for example, like what that practically looks like when you're pausing, are you going into another room? Are you sitting down on the couch and setting a one minute timer for yourself? Or, um, does it just depend on the situation? For me, it, I would say it does definitely depend on the situation, but I could give you an example with, um, five kids, you know, eight and under, there have been times where discipline needs to happen, but there's literally so much chaos and noise that I can't even figure out who started it, who needs it, what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's so much chaos going on that in that moment to discipline immediately, my only option would be to yell. And so if I find myself in that situation, um, I will stop and first, you know, it's like you do, do the first thing first, get everyone's attention, get the room quiet so that I can think and so that I can figure out what has happened instead of just jumping into the discipline, which would require me to yell over everybody. Um, I wouldn't be able to probably keep my frustration in check at that point. Mm-hmm. And then all the kids are hearing is frustration and anger and not um, Mm -hmm. what their hearts need and and the shepherding. So it it really depends. But at that time, I I actually, for what works in my home, because I have so many kids, I have a bell and I actually will ring the bell and we've practiced it so many times now over several years that they know that sound means look at mommy, stop what you're doing and look at mommy. And it might mean, okay, it's time to get ready for bed. It might 
might mean, hey, it's time for a cookie. They don't know. It's not a bad bell. It just means stop, look, and listen. And so strategies <laughs> yeah. like that have helped me a lot. It, it gives me even just a few seconds it takes to ring the bell, um, the few seconds I need to make sure I'm not going to just yell into a room and add chaos to it. Yeah. Um, so something like that, uh, helps me just get calm first and then proceed. That's, um, yeah, I'm a little concerned with how much I like that idea. Like, I might have to go over a bell because <laughs> I'm, be like, I'm picturing like on Cinderella when they, they ring the bell, they're like, Cinderella, come here. Exactly. I need that, I need that in my life. Um, that is so funny. Yeah, that's, that is a practical, yeah, I mean, because you're right, like it, it, when there is that much chaos, chaos going on, it's hard not to, I mean, just out of practical, like, how do you even be heard? You have to raise your voice, and that only gives more voice to the anger and frustration that you're feeling. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And, and the kids don't know why you're yelling. Um, if you're yelling to be, just make your voice heard above the chaos, or if you're angry, they don't know. Um, it's going to happen. It's not always wrong, but just for me to err on the side of first get the room calm and then proceed, it just kind of gives me that safety net so that I don't give full vent to my frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in your book, you talk about, um, being disciplined as a parent and how we can't discipline our children if we aren't disciplined. So what does that, can you kind of unpack that and what that means to you as a parent to be disciplined? Is it, is it kind of reaching into this practical stuff or, or what does that mean to you? Yeah, for me, um, that section specifically, I'm talking more about being disciplined to be disciplining our kids, not the general, you know, um, Christian discipline necessarily of us, you know, being in prayer and reading our Bibles. And of course, all those things are very good and, and necessary too. I was thinking through more about um, when we latch onto this idea of, yes, we want to discipline our kids. This is a great thing. But then we just kind of expect it to happen. And while well, our kids are being raised in a Christian home, so they're getting what they need and everything will be okay. And we don't realize that our kids are maybe being disrespectful or, you know, learning some habits, developing some habits that aren't good for their hearts about the, the way they're talk, talking to each other, the way they're talking to us. Or, um, you know, we might get start getting lax about immediate obedience and just letting them, oh, kids will be kids. So I was thinking through more about um, discipline really falling on us as parents. It's not um, our children's responsibility to be disciplined kids. The responsibility is 100% on us as parents. And if we're going to discipline our kids, it starts with committing to discipline and saying, I am going to be watching my kids throughout the day. I'm going to be evaluating. Are they obeying immediately? Are they respecting my voice? Are they being respectful of our you know, house rules? Um, and I'm going to take responsibility for what I see and don't see, and I'm going to take action. I'm going to come up with a game plan. I'm going to talk through it with my kids, and I'm the one that has to commit to consistency, you know, not the kids. They're too little. They don't know what they need, but God has given me the responsibility as a parent to watch their hearts, pray about what I see, and come up with the game plan that's appropriate for my kids. Um, so that's my discipline as a parent. I have to be ready and not just expect discipline to happen on its own just because my kids are being raised in a Christian home. So that's kind of where I was going with that 
thought process is the type of commitment we're willing to make as parents to truly discipline our kids according to biblical principles. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, moving into sort of branching off that, that practical application for a parent, um, what, what kind of format do you use for your day? Cause you, you talk about it a little bit, just sort of the structure of your day and consistency. And I think that kind of flows out of, you know, that commitment to consistency, not just in discipline, but also in lifestyle and, and your kids knowing what to expect and, um, and that structure is really good for them. So can you kind mm-hmm. of talk about what that looks like for your family? Yeah. In the book, I talk about how inseparable discipline is from structure. And immediately I know I'm going to hear that gasp from moms who are not structured don't consider themselves structured moms, don't love organization, are really laid back and free-flowing parents. And what I would say is that's totally fine. And if you are if you don't consider yourself a particularly organized or structured person, you can still have very successful discipline. So when I'm talking about structure, I'm just talking about having a plan, having a plan and a purpose to your day. And that's going to look as different, you know, from one mom to another. Everyone's going to have a different structure. Um, But if you have a structure of some kind, it allows you to implement your discipline throughout the day and really watch your kids' hearts and be aware of those shepherding opportunities as they come up. So for example, for me, my daily structure just means doing the same types of things at the same time and in the same way every day. And I'm talking about meals and bedtime routine. Um, For us as homeschoolers, our homeschool routine is all worked in there. Um, But when do they have free play? Where do they have free play? When do they play outside? And all of the things that are packed into each of those activities. For example, when I tell my kids and, you know, I ring my bell and I say, okay, it's outside time there is a structure to how they get ready for that. They know they go grab their shoes, they grab their sweater, they go outside, they make sure they close the door and they don't come back in, you know, come in and out, in and out. They stay out until I call them back in. Those are all structured things that we've worked on and routines that we've um, worked on and worked on and worked on so that it becomes rote for them. And that is so important to discipline because it provides those boundaries for the kids to fall back on, and it frees up your mind as a mom to be able to look for those shepherding opportunities. Whereas, you know, we really shoot ourselves in the foot if we get out of bed in the morning and just say, well, I have no idea what we're doing today, what's going to happen, what's going on. You know, the kids are saying, well, I want, you know, a hamburger for breakfast. I don't want cereal. So you're getting out all this stuff to make hamburgers. And I mean, everybody has some sort of structure, mm-hmm. uh, whether they know it or not. And it's just keeping that consistency in place so that your kids know what to expect. And then you work in the discipline and shepherding opportunities. So when my kids sit down to breakfast and I say, well, we're having the same three options we have every day and they start to complain, well, then we can address, okay, this is how we talk about a complaining heart. You know, this is what we need to be thankful for. And uh, because we have that, that plan and that strategy that we fall back on. So what I would recommend that moms do if they're not sure where to start with structure and routines is just start keeping a journal 
of your day and what your what a typical day looks like for you and do it for about a week and then take notes about when you do what with your kids and then look back over your notes and see what type of routine is already there and you might be surprised I did this for myself and I was shocked at how routine my day already was and I was encouraged because I thought okay I don't have to start from scratch I already have we have a lot of systems in place already that I wasn't even really aware of. Now it's just a matter of reinforcing those things, keeping them consistent, and then maybe adding a little bit to it here and there. And that really helps with the whole discipline strategy. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that you're talking about working on these things over and over. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it, I mean, there's commitment to that. It's not like, you know, your kids just knew at one day when you said, you know, all right, time to go outside. It's not like they, they knew all of the things to do, like get your shoes, get your sweater. Like there's a lot of work that goes into building those structures and those routines. And, mm-hmm. and so like there's, you know, freedom and grace for the mom who doesn't have that yet or at mm-hmm. this point to go, you can build it and it doesn't, it's not an overnight thing. It's obviously, exactly. there's a lot of, um, a lot of work that has to go in on the back end of, of any, you know, kind of streamlined structure like that. Yes, definitely. Lots of practice and give yourself time and grace to practice and practice. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure you still have situations too, where like, I'm imagining you send them out to play and say, don't come back in. And then somebody gets in a fight and you have to go out and deal with that. Yes, definitely. And that's where, again, we don't want to fall back on taking for granted that, discipline just kind of takes care of itself. You know, we get a routine in place and the work is done. It doesn't work that way. It'd be nice if it worked that way, but discipline isn't something we can just check off of our list, like doing laundry. Mm -hmm. Um, We send the kids out to play, but then we have to have those eyes in the back of our heads constantly working and watching for those opportunities to shepherd their hearts and knowing that, um, yes, I've taught them. Yes, they know what's right, but they are still sinners and they are going to give me lots of opportunities today to lead them back to the gospel. And that's not a bad thing, but sometimes it throws us off guard. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So, um, rewinding a little bit, uh, you kind of part of your story is uh, that you mentioned on your blog and, um, in your book is that you didn't, you know, at, at early on in your motherhood, you didn't understand like how the gospel applied practically to moms. Um, mm-hmm. what, did, what did that look like for you? What, what was life like at that point in that season when that was a struggle before, you know, before you realized or before your eyes were kind of open and you, and you started really digging into this? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, and I think for a lot of Christian moms, there's a natural disconnect between theology and uh, the practical ins and outs of motherhood. You know, there's the scripture, there's the Bible, but then how does that relate to when I'm just in over my head with laundry and diapers? Like those two things seem so different and so, so separated. And so for me, when I became a mom, uh, my identity immediately became so much about being a mom. What kind of mom was I? Was I going to be a good mom? How to be be a good mom? And it really wound up derailing me. Um, it was discouraging, and I just felt like a failure. And I really had to take that step back and look at God's Word and the Gospel and say, my identity has been and always will be united with Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, because I have been saved 
um, by his life and death on the cross, when God looks at me, he sees his son, Jesus Christ, and he sees me wrapped in his precious robes of righteousness. And I might feel like a failure. I messed up again with discipline. I got angry at the kids or, you know, I didn't do things just right the way I wanted to. But when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. And it was revolutionary to me. It really did have that trickle-down practical effect on uh, my day-to-day activities with the kids, just that security in knowing who I was in Christ would not be affected by what kind of a mom I was that day. Um, And claiming that hope and that security uh, freed me up to really enjoy the ins and outs of motherhood and the messes and uh, all the wonderful parts. And so that was the type of encouragement that I wanted to pass on to other moms um, that our identity is in Christ and how much that freed me up. Yeah. And I mean, that message, like we need that every day, like, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, every morning it's, it's new and it needs to be preached to yourself over and over. Yes, definitely. Um, so can we kind of shift now, talk about like what your, what your work is like? I mean, cause you're obviously now writing books and you called it a hobby. So I don't know, do you consider mm-hmm. it your work or your ministry or, or how do you frame that? And, and what does that look like for you with five kids on seven and under, or mm-hmm. I think you said seven, right? Um, he just turned eight, okay. but I had them in seven years. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, it's, so my situation is might be a little different than uh, many other working moms in that I do get to kind of choose my, my own hours and my own work, um, in the sense that it is my work and a hobby kind of combined. Um, and my work is what I make it. So at this point, the more I work, you know, the the more my ministry and, uh, brand would expand and vice versa. If I don't spend much time on it, then it doesn't, um, progress and really go anywhere. So in that sense, um, it's a luxury to kind of be able to pick and choose my work time, but it's also a challenge because nobody's telling me this is when you work and this is when you spend time with your family. I'm the one that has to make those choices. And so I know there are other working moms, especially moms who work from home, who face those, those same challenges of prioritizing And, um, when do you spend time on work and when do you spend time on family and kids and how do you make all of that work? So for me, um, that is a challenge and a blessing. Um, and I, something, it's something I pray about every day that the Lord will help me to prioritize. Well, um, I do have to put the work on the back burner some days and just say, um, I'm not going to be able to do, you know, any writing today or working on the blog and answering emails because the kids need me or, you know, the homeschooling time needs me. Um, from a practical standpoint, the biggest thing that's helped me was just setting my alarm and getting up earlier. Um, knowing that if this was something, if the work was something I wanted to commit to, uh, I was going to have to add more hours to my day just by getting up earlier and, um, committing to that. So it's definitely a, a balancing act and a juggling act. Um, 
but I think I would encourage moms who have really little ones who are trying to work from home that it does get easier as they get older because I have the full spectrum now. I have a baby all the way up until eight years old, and I can see how once the kids are about four years old, they can really play on their own, at least in my experience. And then beyond that, once they start learning how to read, they can even do so much of their school on their own. They can be very independent. So I would encourage moms who feel the pressure right now of trying to work with little ones, that it is a season and it's a short season. And as the kids get older, um, your life will look so different, even just a year from now as you try to work and raise babies. So, um, so I've kind of experienced all of it up till now to age eight. And, um, so that's what I have found. Yeah, for sure. That's, yeah, that's something that I need to need to hear and just be reminded of too. And, um, and, and not wishing away the little years or, you know, cause I mean, of course I don't wish them to be older already, but when you're, when there's that tension of what else you have to get done or what else is pulling mm-hmm. at you, you're like, this would just be so much easier if you would sit down and watch an entire movie without getting up, you know, or whatever, right, whatever it may right. be just to give you some <laughs> mental space to, like you said, answer an email or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do, do you feel, um, you know, is that a, a tension for you of the, the whole work? I, I, don't, I hate the word balance because I don't, I think balance is sort of a myth that, that there's this idea that we can do everything. I think there's, it's mm-hmm. more of a rhythm, you know, of life in, in each season that looks different, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. But what is that like? for you with your work is that attention for you is it hard do you feel pulled between the two or have you kind of moved through that uh to a better place like where are you Mm. at with that I would say for for me I would definitely say it's still attention um and it's still a challenge and so I don't know for me I don't know if that's necessarily something that ever goes away completely because I think like you said there's no way to do it all and we're constantly trying to strike the right balance but for me I've seen whatever choice I make there's going to be some sort of a sacrifice on the other end and it's a matter of weighing the sacrifice so if I decide to um you know if I'm devoting my time to work I might have to sacrifice Um, doing something with the kids. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing because it's good for them to learn to be independent. They've been learning to be thoughtful of mommy, you know, of my time to work, and that's not a bad thing um, for them to learn thoughtfulness and selflessness. Um, And then on the flip side, if I'm spending time with the kids, well, then there's going to be a sacrifice on the work end. And evaluating those and trying to prioritize well and committing it to the Lord, I would say making sure that my um, motives are right before the Lord in um, spending time on work. You know, is it more because it's all about me and this is fun for me and I need this time? And again, that's in and of itself is not a bad thing, but it, it should be um, prioritized appropriately. And since we're we were talking about discipline right now in the little years, Um, it's such a foundational time to be disciplining our kids and putting that time in. And they need us to have our eyes on them and our ears open for those opportunities. So I have to balance that out too and say, if I'm committed to disciplining my kids, uh, I can't be committed to that and all these other things at the same time. Um, 
And I do talk a little bit about that in the book because um, there, I know some moms don't have, some moms who are working, especially away from the home, um, they don't have that opportunity to have their eyes and ears on their kids from morning until night. And that's not a bad thing either. If that's the place that God has you in and you're working away from the home and maybe someone else is watching your kids, God has you in that situation and your kids in that situation for a purpose. And there. There are still so many beautiful opportunities that you have to discipline your kids and to shepherd their hearts when you are with them. And so your strategies for that would revolve around, you know, time, special times in the morning and times in the evening when you're kind of debriefing about your day. And that's when those shepherding opportunities are going to come in. So uh, it just depends on what what God, what stage God has you in and what um, type of work he has you in. But the point is to be looking for those opportunities and to be um, seeking out how to shepherd your kids' hearts in whatever stage or type of work you're doing. Yeah, that's great. Good. That's, that's helpful because I think that is a really common, you know, thought among moms that are working, whether it's, you know, away from the home or just on a more consistent basis, part-time from the home with nannies. And, you know, there's just so many mm-hmm. places on the spectrum that it can look, um, really different. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's easy to feel no matter what part of that spectrum you're on, it's very easy to feel judged if you're at mm-hmm. home or if you're away from the home, there's, you know, so many easy spots to get tripped up and thinking that, um, you know, that the answer lies in us, but, you know, and that it's all on our shoulders. But, um, like you said, that God is bigger than that. And his truth is more in, in all encompassing than just our work situation. Um, mm-hmm. so that's good to, good to hear. Um, but what about like, as you started writing, cause you talked about, you just sort of started like writing down, thoughts and, um, journaling and really started kind of working through, uh, what your life looked like as a mom. Did you plan to turn that into, you know, books? Was it always on your mind to actually become an author or how did that start? And then what, you know, was there a transition point when it, when you decided to kind of turn it into something more, what did that, what did that process look like for you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, something that I tell other women when they ask me specifically about blogging and writing and, you know, how to start and um, how that all so far has worked out for me, um, I always say that it started for just myself. And it was more for me writing down and thinking through what God was teaching me, what I was learning as one baby after another continued to come and I was frying brain cells, you know, on pregnancy. I didn't want to forget these things. I wanted to be able to look back and see um, what God was teaching me. But then also at that time, I really had just a few just a handful of friends in mind. And as I started blogging and writing, I really wanted to encourage these other moms who were in the trenches with me. And I really thought at the time, if nothing else, I'm going to write this for my friends, for my my close friends and family um, who, who can also be encouraged right along with me. We're all in this boat together of young motherhood, and we all need the same type of encouragement, no matter how different we are as moms the encouragement is the same if it's founded in the gospel. So I really just had some friends in mind and I committed it to the Lord. And I said, Lord, if you want to take this bigger and if you, you want this 
message to expand to other moms, um, then, you know, you do that. That's in your hands. And so I started writing for myself and some close friends, and then the Lord took it from there. Um, and I would say I was asked to speak at a ladies seminar at my home church in California a couple years ago. And just getting to be with in a room full of other moms and seeing that we all were in the same place of, you know, desperate need for encouragement from the gospel and seeing how it applies to motherhood. I realized there really is a need for this. And uh, moms are wanting to know, like, who am I in the Lord? Who am I now as a new mom? And what does that all mean in my life? And so that's when I took the next step to um, write more, to put a book together for moms. And again, just with the hope that if it just encourages the people in my circle, that's enough, that's worth it. Um, and then the Lord continued, has continued to expand it from there. Um, so that's what I would say to any moms who are interested in writing is do it, but start with thinking of a few specific people that you want to encourage, um, and then let God use it from there as he wants to. Yeah, that's awesome. And I do, I, I think that that's encouraging because, um, in this age of, you know, just being so aware of what everyone is doing and being able to have this little window on your phone into everybody's life. I think it is easy as a mom, regardless of where you're at, to really get in that comparison train of looking at what someone else is doing and going, wow, like she's doing this. And, and everybody, I mean, everybody has somebody they're looking at, you know, or someone that they're, that if you are, if you don't, if you aren't guarding your heart and your mind, that you're going, man, I just, that's kind of what I'm after. That's my next step or that's what I'm looking to. And, and it's mm -hmm. good for us to hear that, um, there's value in just doing something for yourself or for your friends or for the mm -hmm. passion that God has given you. And, and the fact that he's laying something on your heart that if it doesn't ever turn into anything, that it still can be worth it, you know, and that mm -hmm. everything doesn't have to turn into a business. Like, and <laughs> right. I mean, this is a podcast on work and motherhood, but I think that it's important to say that like that it, it doesn't only become valid when it makes you money. That's right. not, you know, that is not the qualifier for what work is worth doing. Um, right. And I think, yeah, I mean, I have to preach that to myself and, and it's, but it's a good thing to, um, to just see that, you know, you were able to, to get started there and, um, and to, you know, like that verse says, commit your plans to the Lord. And I don't even remember what's mm -hmm. the second half of that verse. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And he will direct your steps. Yes. There you go. Yeah, that's good. Um, so did you have like at at what point did did it maybe shift for you to um to something that you said you were invited to speak and then mm -hmm. where did it go from there um from there so that was the first thing that I did before the gospel centered mom ever existed um because that conference went so well, where we were just pouring into each other's hearts. And I came away so encouraged, just thinking, I'm not alone. Like other women feel this way. Other women are searching these things out, being encouraged, you know, in these same ways. I took those conference notes and basically turned that into what is now the Gospel-Centered Mom Bible Study. Um, and I kind of went about it backwards. I started blogging after I wrote 
wrote the book. Um, so I didn't have any sort of platform or audience other than my close friends. And so as I started blogging and, uh, started the website and started the Facebook group and, you know, getting the, my social media all set up for gospel centered mom, it just started spreading and growing very organically just by word of mouth. Um, and then as individual women were doing the Bible study, they started passing it around to their churches. So then churches around the country began doing the gospel centered mom as group Bible studies. And then within about a year, um, the book got into the hands of a German translator. And she asked me if she could translate the book into German for, um, to sell overseas. So it's since been translated into Germany or into German. And now it's also this year in 2018 being translated into Dutch and it's being sold in, um, Christian bookstores. Yeah. All over the world now. Um, and it's so encouraging to see that this gospel message, it never changes and it's applicable to anyone, anywhere at any stage in life. And, um, so it's been so neat to see how God has used it in that way. And, um, and then moving on from there into talking specifically about discipline and how that's where we're at right now in life at this stage of parenting, um, and how that can, how parents can also be encouraged through the gospel in that specific area. So I'm very excited to see what the Lord's going to do with it and, um, how it's going to encourage other parents. And I love touching base with other moms and just hearing what they do and how they're, they've been encouraged. So it's been extremely uplifting for me personally. Yeah. So that's really fun. It's awesome <laughs> to see other people enjoying your work. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. What has been the hardest part of all of this of, of, you know, getting your work, um, you know, out there and I mean, have you struggled with like doubts or fears or what, you know, what's been the biggest challenge and all of that? Uh, for me, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, about the, the balance and priorities, um, and just really keeping it before the Lord. I know I've asked myself, um, many times as I'm sure every mom has is what I'm doing meaningful and what gives it meaning, whether it's the work that God has us in, um, for me, it's the writing or even just in the parenting. I know some moms feel like they wish they could be doing something more meaningful or more spiritual, or that has a greater impact. And, um, really our everyday faithfulness in what God has given us to do just step by step is the most spiritual thing we could be doing and the most significant and God honoring thing we could do just taking the next step and being faithful. And so for me, that has been a challenge to constantly take that step back and say, man, I'm really, I'm working really hard here. Am I working in the right direction? Is this meaningful? Is this, like you were saying, going to pay off Mm -hmm. and really committing that to the Lord on a daily basis and sometimes moment by moment and saying, Lord, this is what you've put in front of me. I'm going to do it with a joyful heart. And I'm the results are none of my business and the results are in your hands. And we as moms might not see this side of heaven, how our work pays off, but everything we do has eternal value. It's an eternal investment in, you know, God's kingdom work. And we can rest in that and really take comfort that God's got the results covered and our faithfulness is going to produce glory for him. However he sees fit. Yeah. That's awesome. 
uh, that I feel like I need that written on my forehead. Like the results are none of my business, you know, because that's, <laughs> I think that's where I struggle with the most in, in work is, um, you know, achieving, like I want to achieve. And so it's, all, mm. you know, it's often tied to, well, what is going to come of this and what's the outcome and what's the result. And yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm going to mm. remember that, that little saying. Oh, awesome. <laughs> So, um, what has been your husband's role in all of this and supporting you and, um, and can you kind of speak to like what that has looked like as far as, you know, how he's enabled you and helped you to, you know, have the, the kind of encouragement and freedom to, to pursue this writing gift that you have and, um, and just sharing that message. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband, his job is unique in that he also has um, quite a bit of control over his hours. And so he has a lot of freedom there. I know that's a, it's a unique situation I'm very blessed with. Um, but he has been able to jump in and help in some unique ways, um, taking care of the kids, you know, taking them to work with him. He has the freedom to do that. He can take a few of the older boys. Um, if I have work projects or deadlines coming up with the publishers. So he's been very supportive and he's my biggest fan. He loves the um, opportunities that I have to share the gospel with other moms. And he also knows how much I enjoy it. So he's very supportive in that sense that um, he loves to give me as much opportunity as I can to write um, because it is also a hobby for me. So he's been very supportive um, and we are, are truly a team when it comes to working and parenting. Um, we're a team together. Um, going back to the discipline thing, he's definitely a teammate for me when it comes to discipline. Um, it's so important to be on the same page. And again, that's not something that every um, mom has and it's not something every mom can control. So it's nothing to feel guilty about, you know, or discouraged. If you feel like your husband isn't on the same page as you with your work or with your discipline, it's something to just keep committing to the Lord and searching your heart and searching scripture to be uh, first and foremost committed to his truth and his word, and then go from there. But I have been very blessed to have uh, my husband's full support and his wisdom. He balances me out in a lot of ways um, when it comes to work and to yeah. discipline. So I'm very, very thankful for that. Yeah. They're good at that. Or yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's like you, you don't realize that. I think when you're dating necessarily how much you need that balancing, but I mean, mm -hmm. when, the more you add to the plate, the more you're just grateful for like another perspective for me. It's just like, yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I need, that's the role you play. I need you to tell me that it's going to be fine or that I need to just calm down and, you know, and just kind of add that. I don't know. It's, it's different for everybody, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, so necessary. Yes, definitely. I always ask um, my guests these three questions. And the first one is, what is your best organization or efficiency tip as a mom? Uh, well, um, aside from the bell that we talked about, <laughs> um, I do fall back pretty hard on my routines. Um, so I'll just give one more example of that. For me, for discipline and for my own sanity, bedtime is huge. I think if our kids aren't getting enough sleep, Sleep, we are shooting ourselves in the foot. We're not getting enough rest and their hearts aren't going to be ready for discipline. Uh, so we have a super consistent bedtime routine and schedule. Um, for us, our kids head to bed 
at about eight o'clock, lights are out really quickly. We spend all day with our kids. You know, for me as a stay-at-home homeschool mom, I spend all day with them, talking to them and shepherding them and being with them. I don't feel the need to stretch out the bedtime routine. I know for some moms, that's their time to spend a lot of time talking and snuggling. And that's great, especially if you haven't been able to be with your kids all day. For me, I keep it short and sweet, get them in bed. They're up pretty early in the morning, but that's been huge for me for their discipline, just for them to be well-rested, and also for my sanity, because then I have a pretty good chunk of time in the evening for myself and to spend time with my husband. So that's one um, scheduling or organization tip that for me has been huge. Yes. Yeah. I'm a, I'm an early bedtime mom as well, and I love it. And I mean, I know it gets later <laughs> as the kids get older, so... You know, they're yes. not going to bed at six o'clock or anything, but it, it is really awesome um, to have some some child free hours. That's actually the mm-hmm. reason I have trouble going to bed, because I like staying up late and just existing yeah. without any kids, you know? Yes, me too. So, yeah, getting up early for me is, is a bit of a challenge, but I'm, I'm trying my best. So um, what do you do for fun? Um, for me... <laughs> With the kids and with this stage at light in life, um, most of my fun seems to happen with them, mm-hmm. um, and so there's there's not a lot of you know me getting out and doing something completely different. Uh, my fun is kind of wrapped up with their fun and the things that we do together as a family. Um, but I love baking and cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, I love shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get to do a ton of that at this stage, but yeah. I, I do really enjoy that. Um, I love working on our home probably just because I'm in it so much, but uh, decorating and, you know, just seeing how to organize things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love being in the home and spending time making it a more enjoyable environment for me and the family. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I love like feathering the nest and all of that. It's so yes. fun. Yes. <laughs> um, what me helps too. you to rest and be restored? Uh, I, I, I would say that I am an introvert by nature. And so as an introverted personality, I get restored by alone time. Mm -hmm. And that's really tricky. And I know every young mom out there can relate that alone time is hard to come by. Um, But for me, I've learned to be able to recharge with less alone time Mm -hmm. and just make the most of whatever alone time I get. So like I said, it's usually in the evening, which is why bedtime is so important. Um, but even in the middle of the day, like after the kids have lunch, they know immediately after lunch, they go into their bedrooms, shut the door and play. And that is as much for them as it is for me. And I just have to have that time. And, you know, I struggled in the beginning with, oh, but that seems kind of mean, like, shouldn't they be able to just play anywhere and do what they want? But no, it really isn't in their best interest to let them just rule the roost from morning until night. That scheduling helps them to grow up to be, you know, organized and know how to manage their time. And it gives me that tiny little window of alone time to just, you know, eat my bologna sandwich in peace (laughs) and have five, 10 minutes. And, um, you know, that's time that I spend in the word, but it doesn't even have to be something, you know, spiritual, just time alone to go on Facebook 
or mm-hmm. spend a few minutes on Amazon or, you know, it can yeah. be anything, but that's what recharges me is just a few minutes of time alone. And I'm a different person. So yeah. I just have to make it happen. <laughs> I know. And our time, what you said is totally true that I think God grows us and allows us to recharge with less as we need to. And yeah, and you obviously don't get as much as you used to get, but you know, but your requirements maybe change. So yeah, yeah. that's true too. Um, well, thank you so much, Sarah. This has been great to talk, talk with you and your tips are really helpful. And like I said, I'm really excited to read the rest of this book. Um, but where can people connect with you and find you online and look at your studies and your books and all of that? You can find the Gospel Centered Mom Bible Study on Amazon and on Etsy, and that is currently available and ready to go. Um, For the Love of Discipline is going to be available on Amazon beginning April 30th. And people can connect with me on the Gospel Centered Mom Sarah Wallace Facebook page. That's where I post daily about. Uh, my kids and my motherhood experiences mm-hmm. and other encouraging resources. Uh, and I love hearing from people on there. And then my website is gospelcenteredmom.com. And I publish new articles about twice a month. Um, so you won't be inundated because I just can't write that quickly. But um, so those are all the places that you could find me online. And I love connecting with other moms. And I, um, always respond to messages and emails, not maybe immediately, but I always do just because I love connecting with other moms out there. Awesome. That's so great. And I will link to all of those, um, places that you mentioned in the show notes so people can go find that online as well. Thank you so much again, Sarah, and have a good rest of your weekend with your family. Okay. Thank you so much. This was fun. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening. I hope that that interview was encouraging to you and you found some new ideas and practical advice that you can use in your day-to-day with your family and your kids. And I hope that that repositions discipline for you as not something that's negative that we need to dread, but something that we can enter into and do for our children. If you have not left a rating or review for us on iTunes, would you mind taking 30 seconds to do that? Those ratings and reviews are how iTunes basically decides what content is worth featuring or showing as a recommended show. And I actually talked with someone today or someone last week who joined my pilot course who found this show because it was recommended based on other shows that she was listening to. So they're meaningful. They make a difference. And I'm so grateful for every single one. All right, guys, I'll see you here next week. Bye.